love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, today I went to the mailbox, which I admit I am not always the best at checking my mail. And do you know what I found? Ah, a package from you. You sent me sunglasses. <laughs> Yes, Haley. I was so mad. I forgot. I'm, I had those in. I traveled. They've they're like very well traveled um, sunglasses now because they. I had them with me and I like forgot in Coeur d'Alene. And I also didn't want to jinx you before the race, like by making a joke about how much you'll need them for later in the season when you get to go to Hawaii. So um, then post race, we obviously heard what happened with our podcast. And like my my mind was not thinking, oh, yeah, let me like go grab the, these sunglasses I also got for Haley. Um, but I what do you think? I like them. I to our listeners. So these are pink and dynamo green sunglasses. They're knock around brand, um, which is like a uh, you know, kind of, you can customize like sunglasses that they kind of look like bitters to be honest. And, but you can like customize them so you can make them your own color scheme and like pick them. Um, and so I was, yeah, on the website and I was like, I think Haley and I both need these. I appreciate them. I'm wearing them right now. Um, podcasting indoors with sunglasses on, but they are very, um, flashy and I like them and bright colors. And, you know, I do race in, the sparkly headband that you gave me um, several years ago. I think you've actually replaced it for me. And I get so many compliments on it during, during the race. People will be like, I love your sparklies headband. And so now I have these. I feel so complete. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was so fun. Because again, normally I consider my mailbox to be like my second trash can. You know, I feel like everything in there, I'm oh. like, why am I getting youth connections magazine about how to keep children away from drugs. Like there are no children in this household, but this was fun. So thank you. I appreciate it. I'm the opposite. I'm like a huge fan of fan of, I should like go to the U S postal service for sponsorship or something because I love the post office. I go to the post office probably once a week to mail something somewhere. Um, I, oh, I like really look forward to checking the mail every morning. It's like the highlight, not the highlight of my day, you guys, but it is like one of the fun parts of the day to like see what's in there. Um, you know, when you work from home, sometimes you don't have a lot of like, I don't know, new things that happen. So it's like every day that's like something new. Like you just don't know what's going to be in there. But I will say, actually, when I moved, I got the now UPS, USPS, you can sign up for this service where it emails you every day and tells you what's coming in the mail. And I actually, I think I need to figure out how to turn it off because I actually like the surprise aspect of the mailbox. And I have I've missed that. So I, that's actually a reminder to me. I'm putting that on my to-do list. I don't need, I don't need to know what's coming. I like the surprise. Mine would be like garbage, garbage, garbage bill package <laughs> from Alyssa. No, I like the surprise too. I'm nosy though. Mine often says like mail for the previous residents and stuff. And I'm like, Hmm, like, but you can see kind of they, the mail, um, woman doesn't actually like deliver that because she knows who lives here now. So she doesn't deliver those to us, but I can see it in the, in the email and I'm nosy still. And I like, look at it, like what they're getting. But anyway, 
<laughs> I can see the people who lived in where in my place before me were like much fancier than me. Cause like the catalogs and stuff they got were way, way fancier than what I get. So um, I'm glad that brings you joy, but thank you for bringing me some joy today with um, fun sunglasses. And I will get a lot of training and Kona prep work done in them. And they'll make me a little bit happier, hopefully as I am sweating in my training kind of, I don't know. I mean, my training, training, I use that term loosely. I did a 20 minute run this past week, Alyssa, and it felt like death. And, um, but I hope your training is going in recovery and training and prep for Placid in less than two weeks is going well. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, Haley. So I was able to flip the switch this last week and like mentally get into a place where I'm excited to race again. And uh, that definitely was aided by the fact that physically I'm feeling good. Um, I had like a really, really good weekend of workouts, which definitely, you know, when you race a month apart, you basically have like one weekend where you build back up and you have like kind of normal training. And then now it's going into like, you know, maybe a couple of days and then I'm tapering again. So that weekend, you don't want to put a ton of pressure on yourself. Cause you know, it's like, oh, but you know, it's like the only one you have to like, kind of give yourself that confidence boost. So it was nice to have things go really well. Um, especially because I had been just kind of in my own head about like the bike, not having gone well in Coeur d'Alene. And so Saturday, particularly, I had some good riding and I was able to turn my mental state around and convince myself that I do actually still ride a bike okay. <laughs> Yay! And so I, uh, yeah, I have that hope that I will be uh, good and strong on the Lake Port Placid course, which I know really, really well. I've done training camps out there and um, I have raced out there. And so I, I can like walk you through that course with my eyes closed. So I'm super excited that I'm feeling good to, to race there. But, um, Haley, the other thing that's happening, which is a really fun update from new England. I don't know if this happens in other places, probably does. Um, but we have, well, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. I've definitely Instagrammed about like my gardening woes and how I decided not to do a garden here when we moved to, um, New Hampshire even though the backyard had this like very nice, clearly had been a garden previously plot and Haley. So it's now super overgrown because I attempted one day, I spent like an hour trying to weed it. And then I gave up. I was like, I'm not doing this. This is, this is like not in my wheelhouse this year. And then Haley though, through the weeds the last week, these berry bushes have been like sprouting berries. We have more blackberries and blueberries that we are ever going to be able to eat um, happening in our backyard, which is super, super exciting. And I've been like picking them every day and it's this fun little morning ritual. I've been trying to teach Ramona how to like find the berry on the branch and like eat it, but she's not really picking that up yet. Um, but if anyone is in the area in New Hampshire and you want some cobbler, I just made some cobbler today. I'm going to freeze some berries for jam. I'm like, just, I'm, I'm really going all in on the berries, Haley. But cobbler is wow. really easy, actually. It's like you make it with like flour, sugar, and and the berries. So it sounds wow. fancier than it is. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, you're having good workouts. You are baking. You, I, I don't think dogs like berries. I feel like even when I've dropped <laughs> stuff, like that's like one of those things cowboy does not go for. I'm also impressed that like the animals, you know, the bunnies and the deer and stuff don't get into them. I guess they don't like them either. I don't think so. The only thing that we've noticed getting into them is like an older woman lives <laughs> down the street. <laughs> Sometimes she comes over <laughs> is pulling our blueberries off, but um, we just, that's fine. She's 90. She's allowed to pick any of our blueberries. That she wants. <laughs> 
humans. <laughs> humans are usually the um, the culprit of a lot of things that we blame on animals, other animals. But um, I'm so happy for you, Alyssa. And I also feel like Placid, Lake Placid, Ironman Lake Placid for you is very similar to how Ironman Coeur d'Alene is for me, where you can drive and kind of local-ish race as close as you get to a local race. And I think there's a lot of value in that. So I'm excited for you, um, you know, counting down these days. And I think you could have a really good day there. What do we, is it too soon to look at the weather forecast? <laughs> do you think you'll have some relief? <laughs> I I, I have been eyeing it. And of course I'm like every day that passes, I'm like the next day is going to show this like crazy temperature or something happening. Um, but it looks pretty normal. I think, uh, right now it's like chance of thunderstorms a lot of the days. So I think that's the only thing we really have to worry about. But, um, you know, those, those typically it's, it always says a chance of thunderstorms in that area in the summer. And, uh, usually they're usually knock on wood, they're later in the day. So, um, and they pass through pretty quick, so it shouldn't be anything to really affect the race if that happens, but, um, yeah, weather, weather looks good, much better than, than we had last month. And Alyssa, I heard that we actually got a little bit of an update on our mailbag question last week. We had a question about wet sneakers causing blisters on the, in the race. I think it was a woman who ran in Coeur d'Alene and we, we got an update on with more information. Yes. So Haley, our um podcast editor and producer Lindsay Glassford is also a pedorthist Pedor pedorthist yes which I didn't know um she was she had a background or training in in that so she had to she wanted to weigh in and give some more insight to I'm trying to find who asked that question about the the wet sneakers Lisa Lisa had written in about wet sneakers in Coeur d'Alene and this is actually super interesting what Lindsay had said because she said we were right friction is like a culprit right and sometimes ill-fitting shoes or something like that can cause the friction but she did point out that like gate biomechanics can also be a culprit to why friction is happening in a sneaker with between the socks and the and and the shoe and then that causes the blister so if you find a pedorthist if you live in canada maybe you can go even talk to lindsay even though i don't think she's like actively doing anything with that but maybe she would talk to you about it um but you know if you can find someone local to you that can do kind of a gate analysis they might be able to to help you figure out if something is happening with your gate biomechanics that is causing some extra friction going on in your shoes that's probably exacerbated when they're all wet too. Yeah, very cool. And thanks to Lindsay for giving us a little bit more expert advice on that, uh, which leads us into like a new mailbag question. We have a new one we're going to answer this week, right? Who wrote in this week? Yes, Haley. So we have a question that came in from Susan and she has a question about saddle sores. And she says she uses her Zelios chamois cream, which has been a lifesaver. We love our betwixt. And she's had a proper bike fit. We've talked about how important that can be to help with saddle sore situations. Um, but she's thinking her tri shorts are the main culprit. So she's tried a few different brands and she's wondering if we can recommend a brand of tri shorts that we wear to help eliminate saddle sores. And Haley, I think you and I are both going to agree on the the brand that we wear so we are both wearing smash Fest queen tri shorts and um you know that definitely they are comfortable i really like the chamois in them and find that that is a major piece of the puzzle to helping keep saddle sores at bay um but Haley, i know you you also thought of some other kind of um tips for maybe how those smash 
Smash Fest Queen tri shorts should be fitting. Yes, I will. I will say that I am someone who kind of prefers, in general, looser fitting clothing. And so even when I was first doing triathlon, like I just didn't want like really tight shorts. But Lauren Palmer, who is, works customer service at Smash Fest Queen, insisted I try smaller size shorts. And sometimes I'm just like, no, I'm not a small person. Like, I don't think I belong in like a size small or even a size extra small. I'm like, are you kidding me? No. But I do think that wearing shorts that fit and which maybe means they're a little bit tighter is a good thing in try shorts because you, you are, it's the same, similar to what Lindsay said about shoes and wet sneakers. Like you want less friction, right? Like that's what you really want is less friction. And so making sure your try shorts, try shorts fit, which might mean may it wearing a, a size smaller than you were for like your casual shorts, um, can be a good thing because they do get wet. They get wet and, um, and so you want them snug. Sometimes when lycra gets wet, right, it gets bigger. And so, um, that would be another, Something I would also add, making sure that, you know, you have the right size, which might be a smaller size. And Haley, we were talking about this uh, in, before we started recording with Lindsay and our, wouldn't you know, our resident uh, podorthist also had some tips about uh, saddle sores, which has nothing to do with her education other than her life education. Well, I think she's learned some things. I feel like so she's a oh, friction expert. She's a friction expert oh, like yeah. she, and like a body mechanics expert. I mean, feet aren't that's true. That that's true. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's the body. It's all connected. We don't need to go too far down that. But Lindsay actually did have a really good, good tip. And she mentioned that, like, when you are done with your workout or your race or whatever, getting out of your tri shorts uh, pretty quickly and then, like, getting yourself clean. And she exfoliates. And so it finds that that helps to really, like, make sure there's no ingrown hairs and things like that. So, um, she just uses like a face exfoliator in case you're going down the the bath aisle looking for like specific exfoliators. Just grab a face one. I think you know maybe I'll pick one up the next time I'm I'm shopping too. And you can you can never be too confident you're keeping saddle sores at bay. Yes, it's skin. It's all. I mean, I think it is just like that's what Lindsay was saying. You know, like always trying to avoid that uh, friction in sensitive area parts of your skin, um, which leads us nicely into a sponsor mention for Zelios. <laughs> Zelios skincare has a lot of products that will help um, with any friction or sunburn um, that you might be experiencing. I definitely use the Sun Barrier SPF 45 in, in Coeur d'Alene. And again, I, I was very happy to come out of that race uh, without a su terrible sunburn. Um, I use the Twix chamois cream, both as a chamois cream. I also use it around like my ankles and wrists and neck underneath when I do a wetsuit race, um, just because then you're hopefully avoiding some rubbing in those areas. And then, um, Alyssa post-race, the lip guard, the new lip guard SPF. I wish I had, had used it during the race, but I didn't. And my lips were definitely a little bit cracked and dry and not feeling super good post-race. And so for the week after the race, I was all over the lip guard and my lips are doing much better now. 
Yeah, I agree, Haley. I wish I had actually put it on before the start, which in hindsight, I should have kept it in transition and like taken the time to put it on in T1 and T2 because I definitely felt the effect of the sun on my lips in Coeur d'Alene. And um, I've been using it since the race as well. And finding that that's definitely something one of my like go to products I now always have with me. So I really like that. And um, our listeners can get uh, a 15% discount from teamzelios.com to stock up on all of those products with the code ironwomen. Yes. And I forgot to mention earlier that if anyone else wants to write into our mailbag, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We like, we love your questions. So thank you to, to the women who wrote in for today, but, um, and thank you to Lindsay for offering some expert advice, but anyone else, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, we do have an interview for our listeners today. And this is a really fun one. Um, today we're talking to Brandy Swicegood and Brandy's story with triathlon kind of starts in 2018 when, well, with professional triathlon, it starts in 2018 when she quit her job as the Austin bureau chief for the Dallas morning news to become a professional triathlete. So spoiler alert, she does achieve that goal. And in 2019, she raced Ironman Cozumel as a pro. So we talk about all of that. We talk about Brandy being a mom, getting through COVID as a rookie pro, um, being a coach, and then also how she's been focusing on Xterra now this season. So a really fun and interesting interview with Brandy coming up for everyone after a word from our sponsors. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer, and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the big island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LiveFeisty for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LiveFeisty, capital L and capital F. Hi, Brandy. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. So I don't want to give away all of our, quote, research practices here on Iron Women, <laughs> but if we Google you, one of the first things that comes up is a Dallas Morning News article written by you that profiles your decision to leave your job as Austin bureau chief for the Dallas Morning News to become a professional triathlete. And I promise I'm going to actually ask you a question here and have you talk, but first I want to read an excerpt for our listeners. So this is a, a quote from the article. I want to be the kind of mom who sets an example of fearlessness. I want Adeline to know that the best dreams to chase are the ones that scare you. I want her to see that we women are capable of hard work and we reap the rewards of pride and accomplishment that it brings. 
I want her to know that when she finds her passion and fiercely attacks it, I'll be cheering for her on. I'll be cheering her on every step of the way. So Brandy, this was written in 2018. Adeline was about one years old, I think, at that time. And it was before you had qualified to race as a pro. So can you tell our listeners about that time right after writing that, right after leaving this job and what it was like as you were working to become a, a pro and get that qualification? Um, that's a really good question. So it was a really hard time because it was so uncertain. Um, you know, I'd been a journalist for 20 years, so I kind of feel like I pretty well knew what I was doing. And then I entered this space of you know, trying to train like a professional athlete where I was, um, you know, completely green and completely new. I mean, I had done triathlons obviously before, but I, I was just beginning to understand what would be expected of me and what, what it would take to compete at that level. Um, and so it was sort of terrifying and I didn't really know at all if I would be able to even qualify to become a professional athlete. Um, and all I knew was like, I had to work really hard and get after it. And Brandy, Alyssa and I, and many other pros have also left steady, reliable jobs to chase these dreams. But Alyssa and I, we both left our jobs when we were in our twenties. We had very few responsibilities. You were at a different stage in life. You had an established career. You had a young daughter. And so you write that you knew that most women weren't making a living with triathlon and So it's kind of easy to, you know, be young and be like, oh, if I can just make this, you know, I'll be fine. But, but you, you went in with eyes wide open. So how do you, like, what do you think about that, that, you know, that making that decision and knowing that it was a big, scary goal, but you definitely were going to be making a lot less money. (laughs) Yeah. So there were, I guess in a ways there were two parts of that equation for me. So there was the financial part. But there was also the the career and sort of setting an example as a mom part. So sort of rewinding a little bit, my husband and I had a conversation. I remember it super clearly. We were at a local pancake place having pancakes for breakfast, and our daughter was at the table with us, and I was super stressed out from working full-time, trying to train, trying to be a good mom. And I said, what if I just quit working and just, like, tried to become a professional athlete? And I figured he would laugh, but he was like, yeah, let's do that. And I was like, oh, now I have to really make a decision. So it actually took me a lot longer to come around to that because of those, those sort of questions around both the finances and the sort of professional career path that I had chosen. And I worked two decades as a journalist and I had really, I had worked really hard to establish myself. I was finally, I mean, journalism isn't known as a lucrative field either. And I was finally at a place where I was doing okay financially, where I had a job where I had made, you know, a name for myself, not just in Texas, but really across the country as an investigative journalist. And I wanted my daughter to to look look up to me. And I was afraid that if I wasn't successful as a triathlete, what example would that be setting if I left this career where I had been successful? 
and then, you know, kind of fizzled out. <laughs> so there was that fear, right, of like sort of the unknown. And then there was also like, I think we all, after working that many years, have a sense of doing our part in our family to contribute to the bottom line and not bringing in a paycheck anymore was a real big hurdle for me, not just like financially, but also like, you know, emotionally um, and, and psychologically to be like, okay, so how am I contributing? And I had to redefine how I contribute to our family. So no longer was it money, but instead it meant I get to spend more, spend more time with our daughter, like actually being a mom. And I get to cook more meals at home and I get to be there more for my husband because I have more time for him. So it just, it took a lot of um, psychological work and mental work to realize that I could be proud of myself and give back and set example, set an example for my daughter in a different way than what I had come to be used to. And Brandy, we do want to backtrack a little bit and talk about kind of what got you to that point to begin with. So you were an age grouper for 10 years racing triathlon, which is, I mean, a decade's a long time to be in the sport. So had professional triath being a professional triathlete always been your dream? Like at what point kind of did you start to think about that even? Um, I mean, I, I started out, like I have zero athletic background, like in a competitive nature. Um, I think I, I did, like, I ran track in middle school and that was about it. <laughs> so I started uh, like swimming at, riding my like Walmart mountain bike to the pool up the street with a pile of pennies on one side of the lane, shoving the penny over to the other side to count my laps. Um, I was like, what? I was like, what is the, do I need to be bringing pennies to the pool? Is this like a new drill I need to be doing? <laughs> they get pretty gross after a while. And so, you know, but eventually I came to really, really love it. And I still remember like that first triathlon that I did and feeling so empowered and like the feeling of the finish line. And, but also like all those things around like learning to change your own tire and being okay, being out on the road by yourself and in the sort of community that was around triathlon it was just so so empowering to me and i just really began to love it um but i trained on my own for the longest time and i remember at one point looking at um, some of the other triathletes we have a fairly fairly sizable tri professional triathlete community here in austin and so i remember like watching in awe as like natasha vandemarva who lives here you know, was going through her the period of time when she qualified and then watching her career develop and kind of thinking, man, that would be so cool. Um, and then over time, I got a little faster and I got a little better and I got more confidence in myself. But there, eventually what led me to the point where I was like, maybe I'll give this a try was um, I started, Natasha at the time was coaching me. And, you know, we were kind of, we were in a, a circle of, of women who were all really strong and really pushed one another and were encouraging to one another. And, you know, and I, when I started having this idea and after I sort of talked about it with, with Travis, one of the, th my husband, um, one of the things that like 
pushed me to really commit to the decision was um, Natasha and I had a conversation one day and I, I asked her like, do you really think that I could do this or am I just, you know, spitting into the wind here? And, and think about Natasha is she's going to shoot straight with me. She's not going to throw any sunshine up her skirt. So, um, she's like, well, it's not going to be easy, but you're a hard worker. And I think if you try, you have a shot. And so once I, once there was someone who I respected, who I knew, knew what it was about, who had some belief in me, I mean, I mean, my husband always believes in me, but he's my husband, you know, um, he took a and vow. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. almost said he's paid to do that. And I was like, oh, we don't pay our husbands. <laughs> <laughs> he does want to continue sleeping in the same room as me. So that's a helpful motivator. Um, so, you know, but just having that extra oomph of somebody who really believed in me. And, that, and another part of our conversation that really drove it home for me was like, I was like, well, what about, you know, I know it's going to require some sacrifices of me in terms of like spending time with Adeline and, you know, how do you balance being a mom? Cause we actually had our daughters just four weeks apart. We were actually due the same day and we kind of went through our pregnancies together. Um, but her daughter came late and mine came early. Anyway. So she was like, well, the way I look at it is this, you know, we are going to be supporting our daughters in everything they do every day of their lives until they leave our homes and then after and is there any way that you would tell them if they were in your situation you would tell your daughter if she was in your situation that you weren't going to support her in making a choice to chase a dream and i was like heck no and she's like well why would you expect any less of yourself and i felt like that was a really good way to think about think about it and, you know, while they are young and before they are in school, it's a good time to, you know, you're, you're a little bit more flexible in your schedule. And so it's like, well, let's just go for it. Brandy, you wrote that Dallas Morning News article, I think in January 2018. And when you, you know, you first publicly said, I'm going to try to go pro, very publicly. And, <laughs> and then... You blogged throughout, you know, the process, but it took until May 2019 for you to qualify for that elite card. And, and we'll link to your blog because I think you are a, a wonderful writer, far above most, uh, I mean, not to discredit my own blog, but um, don't have t two decades of journalism experience behind me. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful journey, but it's also had to have been a terrifying journey. We recently talked to uh, Sika Henry, who just became the first African-American woman pro triathlete. And we talked to her about setting a really big goal that you might not achieve and saying that publicly and how, you know, a lot of people, but women in particular, probably are, are afraid to do that because you might then very publicly fail. And she encouraged us to, you know, to do that because the failure in her in her eyes was not that bad um you also did this you did it very publicly you you know you told Natasha which is a little scary telling just even one friend but then you told your entire like professional <laughs> circle um and you know all of Texas basically so what do you think about setting big goals 
Like, and then even, you know, it took you a, over a year to achieve it. Was there time during then when you, you thought you might not get it? Oh man. Yeah. Every moment, especially every race where I lined up, I was fearful and wanted to throw up because I was like, here's another chance for me to fail in this public way. And, you know, on the one hand, it's super reassuring to know that there are so many people watching you and supporting you. But on the other hand, you're also like, if I fail, I'm not only disappointing myself, I'm disappointing all these people who are cheering for me. But I also, at the end of the day, was like, well, the only way I fail, really, is if I don't try. And if I don't learn from every time I fall down, every time I don't make it, if I don't learn from that experience and put it to work the next time. Um, and so, yeah, like every single one of those races where I fell short was gutting. I mean, I remember finishing Ironman 70.3 Campeche and it was such a rough race. There was like three foot swells on the swim. It was hot and humid and disgusting. My, I had horrible GI issues. And, but I just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept hoping that this would be the day and there, there would be some miracle around the corner and it didn't happen. And I crossed the finish line and my husband was there and I just started sobbing because I was like, I've given my all today and it's still not enough. And, and I, every time that there was one of those races where I fell short, I just wondered whether it would ever really happen and whether I was chasing the wind. But I knew also that I was getting better at the same time. Like every time, every race was a little better. Every race I learned something about nutrition or about pacing. And, and all these people who were supporting me were watching me get better too and reminding me that each time I was a little bit closer to getting those goals. Um, so I guess in terms of your answer to like, what about setting big goals? I mean, the only way you accomplish anything in your life that you really want to do is by setting that goal and just going headlong for it. And when my, when my daughter asks me those questions about setting goals and I hope what I'll tell her and what I would tell anyone is set that big goal and then realize little goals along the way and take in that process and just keep your eyes focused on that big goal. And in the end, it doesn't, for me, what mattered was, yes, I really wanted it, but I at least wanted to give myself a shot to try, even if I didn't get it. And so I think it was after Campeche that uh, you kind of had a conversation with your coach and and they suggested um, Challenge Cancun kind of as a, you know, almost like a last-ditch effort. Do you think there was something to that just like relieving the pressure almost in a way, you know, like this hadn't been something you had been, a race you had been thinking about as a huge build and everything else that goes along with it? I find, you know, I see that a lot of times with athletes, I think, who are trying to go to Kona, and it's like, you know, you have that 
narrow focus on the goal on the race you think is going to get you there and a lot of times it's not that race right it's like the other one that you kind of had on the back burner or something yeah yeah I had it was such a long shot Cancun really was because I had I had raced Galveston um 70.3 Campeche 70.3 and I went to Boston for the marathon and then like think it was less than two it was like two weeks later maybe that I went to Cancun so I didn't I was like well I'm just gonna give it a shot and not really have any expectations of myself because you know I can't really at this point but I'm gonna give it all I got and um I remember just thinking to myself like all I want at the end of this day is to not feel like I left anything anything out there like that I gave it every little last bit of guts and courage that I had and Brandy you did qualify in Cancun and then you did race (laughs) your first pro Ironman at Ironman Cozumel in was it like I think it's in November of 2019 and the timeline here, most of our listeners will be pretty familiar with what happened after November 2019. You took a nice little off season. <laughs> you planned your 2020. That probably didn't happen. So how did the pandemic last year kind of affect that start of your pro triathlon career? Yeah, I put it on pause. I mean, just like everything else in life. Uh, but it was, um, I mean, I would plan to go to Campeche again and I, uh, we were actually at the same breakfast place having breakfast, my husband and I, when I decided not to go to Campeche because we were just scared that I would get caught there. So, um, yeah, I, I remember sitting there at the breakfast table crying. I had my bat, like my car literally completely packed with my bike in it, ready to go. And this was like and, March 2020. So this yeah. was because Campeche was like one of the last races that really happened in the world. Yeah, it felt like it was going to be the last race on the planet <laughs> ever, maybe. Um, so, but we, we decided it wasn't the best choice for us because we were just, you know, just worried about everything as, as it felt like the world was melting down. I'm sure you all remember. Um, but I guess the challenging part of 2020 was as a, the most challenging part actually was being a parent in 2020 and, and trying to be an athlete too um my my daughter's school shut down um and so you know and my my husband who had always worked from home his job continued but you know there we I still thought there might be races right we all thought we were all like I want to continue to be fit because if there's a race I want to be there and so it was really hard to balance like taking care of her full-time and trying to train and and then just all the uncertainty in the world you know just it was kind of terrifying i'm sure i mean everybody knows that but it was um yeah it was really rough but i think one of the blessings that eventually came out of it was we we found a pod for my daughter and the the other families that are in the pod have become like family for us and we've all become like a support network and you know after particularly 2019 that's that year was just crazy in terms of racing for for me i raced a lot and so while i didn't really 
<laughs> want the downtime necessarily at the beginning of my career. I think, you know, it was a good time to focus on family and, and appreciating all that. We did have a lot of extra time together. Like I got to, you know, set up a pool in the backyard and play with my daughter and it forced me to be more imaginative and creative as a parent than I would have been otherwise. And so I tried to look at it as an opportunity to to learn and grow in those ways and know that I was doing my best at maintaining my fitness and continuing to do those things that made me stronger, not just as an athlete, but also helped me to maintain my sanity as a mom and, and human being. Um, and so it was kind of nice to have it not just be all about like races, but also about like, you know, this is how we take care of ourselves in this really challenging time. Pandemic mom life really sounds next level. That is <laughs> definitely <laughs> something that I think I admire everyone who you guys had to, to get through that. But um, Brandy, I during... If I, hear the, uh, if I hear the Mickey Mouse Club song, the <laughs> hot dog dance, I just start like having tremors. <laughs> there was a lot One of too many times. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. I actually I have no idea, <laughs> Don't do obviously, it. what that is. <laughs> you may never want to talk to me again if you hear that song. And Brandy, um, at some point in, you know, the last couple years, I believe it was, you actually did go back to work at a real job, quote unquote, right, as a regional investigations editor for USA Today. And Haley and I both have, um, you know, quote, work as coaches in triathlon. And I know that I at least personally find value in while it is in the triathlon industry still for myself, like having something to think about other than my own swim, bike and run, right? So did you ultimately kind of find that it was helpful to have a non-triathlon outlet for you and your energy during this time that you were working to become, you know, the top of your game? Yeah, especially during the pandemic. I mean, it was, it was a mixed bag. I really enjoyed the work. Um, investigative journalism for me is definitely a passion. And I feel like, you know, at some point there will be a space in my life for that to be a bigger priority and and when the tr when the pandemic first began it was sort of weird in a way um is like all those journalism instincts that i have from being in it in for so many years um they just came rushing back to me and i really wanted to be a part of this worldwide story and so for a time there it was just all hands on deck and and I was working way more than I had ever planned to uh, in, in that space as a journalist um, directing stories and just you know trying to help people in our communities understand where where they could find resources where they could get testing what was going on um, and trying to understand for myself and my family too and so being a part of that it gave me a sense of having some sort of some sort of control, some sort of uh, handle on information that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And it also was something familiar to me, right? Because I knew how to respond to a crisis as a journalist. Um, so so having that was, was actually good, even though it was really stressful trying to do that. And 
have a four-year-old running around the house. Um, they're in all kinds of Zoom meetings and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that was really challenging, but it was a good sort of outlet to, to have. Um, I, I haven't blogged about this, but my uh, I, I ended up deciding that uh, that was just too much, actually, and to go back to focusing on my family and my triathlon career. Would you ever consider doing a Substack or some kind of subscription service? Because I feel like I just I notice a lot of journalists doing that as an income source these days. Um, I actually um, have, I'm doing like some really small contract gigs, um, and that's like perfect because. I can kind of dip in and have my little toes still in journalism and work on some things that I'm really excited about, but it's not taking up so much of my physical and mental space. And you mentioned being in investigative journalism because that's, I mean, that's intense. We, we looked at your resume, which is online and it's, I mean, you've, you've covered some really important topics. You've written about, Texans dying in their homes because of state power regulators and you have actually like written stories that led to legislative changes so does you know do you miss that like being part of of that you know really big big stories like that or does you know knowing that that those kind of things are happening kind of help you keep the highs and lows of sport really in perspective there are some things I miss about it, and I think I, as long as I'm not in it, I will, right? I, lo- I, I love writing, obviously, uh, and I, what I love even more than that is people entrusting me with their stories um, to tell them in, in a fair and honest way, um, and all the amazing people I got to meet along the way. But I also feel like, you know, there's a lot of, between journalism and triathlon and endurance sports that that align pretty well, you know? Um, you know, you work really hard and really long on a story before it publishes and before it has impact on people's lives. And, you know, to some extent, it's the same way with triathlon, right? You train and you work really, really hard for months and months before you see the fruits of your labor actually come to fruition. So in some ways, I think that they're a lot a lot alike but I, I do definitely think uh, looking back on my career helps me to keep triathlon in perspective I mean I, I spent a lot of time working on criminal justice issues and covering the criminal justice system here in Texas particularly um, you know covering cases on death row cases and you know, having the perspective of many people who are imprisoned for many years in some cases wrongfully um just makes you realize how unbelievably lucky we are to get to do this because we love it to get to call it a profession i mean it's something so many people could i mean i didn't think it was a dream i could realize but there are people who don't even think they could have that dream and um, getting to know the opportunity to know some of those people, I think, definitely helps put some perspective on how fortunate I am to be where I am. 
And Brandy, we did say we we were reading your resume, and I did notice that you include your athletic accomplishments on there, right? So you have kind of at the bottom under 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 other accomplishments, you have that you completed 14 Ironman 70.3s, including the world championships. You know, you, you've done marathons, and you put all of this on your resume for professional purposes. And I'm sure we have listeners. I know I've fielded this question, and I've never really known, you know, but like, what's your perspective on that? Do you think it's helpful for folks who are, you know, out there trying to, you know, either maybe our younger listeners getting into the workforce and have been doing triathlon, that kind of thing, or even, you know, pros who are having to think about kind of their next steps? Yeah. um, For me, I am in almost every instance. I found it to be helpful, a conversation starter with potential employers. Um, when I was interviewing for journalism jobs, generally, I don't, I'm, I don't know how many other professions require you to do this, but it was like a gauntlet of interviews, right? You have to talk to like reporters and editors and everyone up the chain. And there's bound to be one person who had some sort of sport outlet in their life. And if they saw that on my resume, they're going to ask me about it. And generally, if they had any idea, like what endurance sports Ironman or marathons require, they would be, they would be impressed, right? Like that, because they understand the commitment that it takes to, to complete, never mind to complete at a competitive, to, to be competitive in those arenas. And so... They understand that once you commit to something, that you're a hard worker and that you're going to see it through. And, and that was, in every case, something I found that they appreciated. Um, and it was some fun to talk about something that wasn't journalism for them, too. And you, obviously, you wrote about criminal justice reform and you wrote about utility regulations so you weren't necessarily a sports uh you're in the sports (laughs) arena as much but you are you're an athlete and so you I'm sure that you care a lot about sports coverage and you know us here at Iron Women we are you know the reason we do this is to bring more media attention to women in sports and so do you have any ideas for us as someone who definitely knows the media the media world really well um you know what can we do to be getting more women like more media coverage for women besides just creating it ourselves. Whew, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it for us, Brandy. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, a, this is a loaded question for sure. But I guess when you're looking at a story, like, like what do you, you know, what makes it, like what makes frames a good story or what can athletes be doing maybe with their own social media to help them get noticed? Well, I'm by no means a social media expert, but I feel like just in terms of storytelling and um, and bringing in people's attention and grabbing readers, right? There's always an element of conflict that needs to, that people want to drive the story forward, right? And then characters, are everything. And so the more you focus on people stories, the more you focus on telling them in ways that are relatable to your audience, 
the more people are going to be brought in. The more you can make them feel like they are a part of your story, the more invested they become. Um, I mean, that, I mean, it's a, clearly a challenge in journalism also, right? That's why there are layoffs and the journalism industry is struggling as much as it is. But um, yeah, I think both in social media and in just storytelling in, in any platform, the key really is compelling characters that bring people in they, who they can relate to. Um, and so I think what you're doing with this podcast is really incredible because it makes women athletes. I mean, I've, I've started listening to your podcast when I first started training and I would listen to it during my long rides and, and I learned so much, but also helping me to see the athletes as real people made me want to come back for more and also allowed me to see myself in them. It's crazy that now you're you're a guest. You did that for yourself. That's <laughs> awesome. So I, I, I want to know who's the bigger character, me or Alyssa. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Can you tell our voices apart while riding? Because I feel like that would be even more challenging. <laughs> I can, actually. Oh, good work. Good to hear. <laughs> And Brandy, you most recently actually did get a race in this year and you raced Xterra Oak Mountain. I believe that's in Arkansas. So can you tell us about that? And if you've always been kind of an off-road mountain biker or if that was something new you picked up during the pandemic and like, yeah, tell us all about Xterra and how you got into it. So um, I started mountain biking on my second date with my husband. He, uh, he's been a mountain biker since he was like a teenager and is an extremely good mountain biker. Um, and so, you know, I had to show him that I could hang and went on this mountain bike ride and he tried to kill me. And I was like, hmm, maybe I don't like mountain bike riding, but if I want to go on another date, I'm guessing I'm going to have to figure this out. So um, eventually I kind of figured it out and I was like, hmm, passably competent at mountain biking, but I had like kind of an old bike and it wasn't that great. It wasn't, it never like was super fun. And then during the pandemic, I was like, you know, there's no group rides. There's, I need to get out of this darn house and I want to go somewhere and feel safe. And the trails felt safe to me. Um, and so I started doing it and started being more fun. And then I got a new bike and I was like, oh my, this is really fun. Like now that I have a bike that I can actually work with and I can go fast on and, um, and we started doing more and more date rides on mountain bikes and it got to be more and more fun and I felt more confident in myself. And so at the end of last year, um, one of the only races that was happening was, um, a mountain bike race, not too far from where I live. And I was like, well, I'll just see what that's like. And it was the muddiest mess I have ever experienced in my life. It was a 40 mile mountain bike ride, which is pretty long for a mountain bike ride. So it took like pretty close to four hours. It rained the entire time. So by the end of the ride, literally there was mud up my nose. I was like, for days there was mud coming out of everything. <laughs> um, but I just had the most fun and 
it was a little bit more laid back, but those girls were still really, really tough. And I mean, I ended up finishing like sixth overall in my first mountain bike race. And the girl who won was a, um, a U23 national champion. So I, I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I can hold my own. So I did a couple more local off-road triathlons earlier this spring once racing started to come back. And um, I was like, well, let's, let's just try it with the big girls and see what happens. And I had a fun day. I feel like there's still a lot for me to learn to improve on the mountain bike. But I just, I really, really love it. It's so fun and so much different from road triathlon. Sounds like you definitely have more of those Xterra races in your future. And it also sounds like I can see Alyssa's face and I like, I know what her brain is thinking. And she's like adventure racing, adventure racing. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, you'll, you'll be on my short list for when I'm recruiting my female friends for my all female adventure racing team that I'm be putting together. <laughs> I'm always up for an adventure. And I think that's honestly the fun part of mountain biking is, it does feel like an adventure. Like you can't just be looking at your heart rate and like, oh, it's time to eat again and oh, it's time to drink again. And you have to be like focused and making sure you're not, you know, going into a tree and over your handlebars. And and then, I don't know, you just feel like a kid when you're in the dirt flying everywhere. It's fun. But the bike does matter for sure. Like that's a good point that you had too, because I, when I was shopping for my mountain bike, it was the pandemic. And so like, there were no bikes except for like the nicer bikes basically. Right. So I quote had to, you know, that was my excuse. I had to buy one of the nicer <laughs> bikes to learn this new sport. Right. Um, and so, but I, as I, I was very lucky. I had some friends that were helping kind of mentor me and, and learn the sport. And, you know, they would talk about how a lot of times your instinct is to buy the not so nice bike. Right. And, especially for women, it can be a little bit of a obstacle because they're heavier, they're harder to maneuver. They're just like, they're not as user-friendly for like our skill set on the trails. And so just if, you know, if you are a listener out there, that's something to consider if you're thinking about mountain biking or trying bikes and things like that. Um, it definitely does make a difference with all the bells and whistles and yeah. things. And that it's some of them also the geometries, the geometry of the bike is so much, it's evolved so much, particularly over the last five years. So a 2015 bike is a totally different machine and it's going to work in a totally different way than a 2019 or 2020 bike. Wow. Um, Brandy, as we wrap up our, our interview, we do want to ask, you know, it's been a couple years since that Dallas Morning News article and your daughter, I think, is around three or four years old. So what do you think that now, I mean, I, she's still very young, but does she grasp what you're doing? And do you, have you seen, you know, she's able to cheer and does she see you going out for workouts? And do you think that has had any impact on her yet? Yes. Uh, in some ways, right. Cause she's, she's going to be five in July. She's going to kindergarten, which is breaking my heart, but also awesome at the same time. Um, but she, she gets a lot of it already, which is really cool. Like she is a hundred percent fearless on her bike. She rides without training wheels on a 20 inch bike and she handles it like a champ and it's amazing. Can she so, break? Yeah. She has a handbrake. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. Amazing. The kid across, I have one kid across the street and I've watched him like learn to ride his bike and the braking. That seems to be the challenge, <laughs> but that's good to hear. <laughs> that's, that's a key concept. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, and she'll go on the trails with us and she's 
So from that perspective, I'm so excited that she is just brave and doesn't ever doubt herself. Um, but also, like, she does get, like, the racing, um, you know, she has a little shirt and she comes to races. She's probably outgrowing it already, but it says Mommy's Tri-Squad on it. Um, and, you know, she cheers for me. She's like, go, Mommy. But you know, the other day, uh, she was <laughs> she was telling me, Mommy, did you, are you making your, are you working on your training plan for the week? You need to do five swims and then three runs and then four bike rides. So like she gets a lot more than I would ever think that she would take in because it's not like I go, I mean, I don't consciously go around like telling her about my training plans for the week. (laughs) Sounds like she's ready to coach. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) coach Barney has an assistant on the way. Um, but yeah, like she gets it and she'll tell me that when I go out to race, she tells me, mommy, go rip their legs off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And she, you know, she does the same thing for my husband when he goes out to race too. So she gets it. She's excited about it. And, and I hope that, uh, I hope that that translates into her future as well. Uh, you know, I'm always conscious about not being too, too pressury. So I put her in dance. And Brandy, do tell us what is next for you now with your racing um, in 2021. Next up, uh, the plan is Xterra Beaver Creek in July. Um, so I'm actually going to be, the plan is to go up and spend a few weeks up in um, Colorado at elevation before the race. Um, kind of try to get used to it as much as possible before getting into the deep end of things. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We've appreciated your stories and we are going to be cheering for you in Beaver Creek and beyond. Um, it's, it's great to have you in the sport and thanks for being a listener of the podcast as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really awesome to meet you guys and I loved our talk. So thank you. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. I really enjoyed getting to know Brandy and chat more about her story and share that with you guys. And I just wanted to let you know, we had recorded that a few weeks ago. And in the meantime, I I had some back and forth and got an update and wanted to let you all know that Brandy actually pulled out of Beaver Creek Xterra race that she was kind of targeting for the summer. Um, She had headed out to Colorado early, Colorado, right? Yeah, Colorado, not 
Utah, Colorado. So Colorado to acclimatize, acclimatize um, to the elevation and her daughter Adeline developed pneumonia and um, the doctors actually said like they, that she couldn't take her back to elevation in time for the race. So she's switching gears a little bit, sticking with Xterra though. And she's just going to focus on Xterra Dominican Republic instead. So, um, Brandy, good luck in the Dominican Republic. I think that's going to be, I think that one's like the first weekend of September. So we can all follow along and see how that ends up. And of course, best of wishes to Adeline with her recovery. Um, she did say she's feeling, um, better just not at not at the altitude so i feel you adeline altitude altitude can be tough yeah oh my goodness i'm so glad she's doing better and i'm so glad brandy still gets race and i'm so glad she shared her story because i i thought it you know was a beautiful story so thank you again to brandy and Alyssa. it's always great to chat with you i hope you get some good sleep this week absorb all that rest from your great week uh weekend workouts and enjoy the prep for Lake Placid. Uh, you know, it's so many fun things coming on the horizon. Thanks, Haley. I'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.